As long as there have been siblings, there's been dysfunction. Petty fights over toys, personal space, or their parents' attention. But we don't cover family fights that end with apologies or timeouts. Today, we're counting down sibling dysfunction that turned deadly. Brothers and sisters that turned on each other out of jealousy, power struggles, and greed. The stories you're about to hear are gruesome and disturbing, and will make you think twice when you scream over your sister, simply borrowing your clothes without asking. Yeah, Elena. <laughs> hey, all you weirdos. Welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 deadly sibling dysfunctions. Okay, I actually have to like totally change what I was going to say. Do you remember the time that I wore your sweater to a New Year's Eve party and you got so mad at me because I returned it with like a huge hole in the back? I'm still mad at that. (laughs) But anyways, I don't really think I'm at liberty to say how dysfunctional (laughs) our family is. That That was not cool. I'm still mad about that sweater. I'm sorry. The I don't. Whole, the whole back was open. It yeah. was all ripped apart. But we can't get into it, okay? <laughs> and you know what? I agree. We probably shouldn't talk about how dysfunctional our family is. But I will say, when I hear other people's stories, it makes me realize that literally every single family is dysfunctional in at least some kind of way. No, that's so true. I mean, luckily, I don't know any families that are as dysfunctional <laughs> as the ones on this list. Because, no. like you said in the intro, some of these are very disturbing. Extremely. Like, I may have fought with my siblings over, you know, eating my leftovers, which you all did all the time, but I definitely never took it this far. <laughs> I was going to say, like, spoiler alert, that was me that it ate your definitely leftovers. Was. All of you did it. You said it for me. All of you listening, you did it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like the Kimmy Gibbler of the family. I'll eat everybody's <laughs> leftovers it's and true. then some. But on a serious note, it always adds like a deeper level of sadness when crimes like these yeah. happen amongst siblings. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because I think it's like... The whole psychology behind it is like family is supposed to be your safe space. And when it's not, it's kind of hard to understand, you know, what's what, who to turn to, who you can trust. I mean, if your own family is coming after you, where's your safe space? Exactly. Well, Elena has five deadly siblings and so do I, but neither of us knows which sister will bring the most chaos to the countdown. Let's start the countdown. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in LA, and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. 
decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, Amityville's own Ronald DeFeo Jr., who murdered his family, then strangely blamed his deceased sister for the murder. Ronald DeFeo Jr., who goes by the name Butch, was convicted of the 1974 killing that inspired the book and film versions of the Amityville horror. After being convicted of murdering his entire family, he attempted to blame his sister Dawn, who he had also killed, an excuse that clearly did not stick. Why didn't it stick? Well, you know. I don't understand. Seems foolproof. Yeah, you know. Again. Well, Butch was the oldest and had four siblings. The family has been described as loud and quarrelsome, but he was definitely the most troubled kid out of all of them. The evening of November 13th, 1974, Butch ran into Henry's bar screaming that his family had been shot. The truth was that he actually killed them all roughly 15 hours before he ran for help. What? And he killed everybody, including his 9- and 12-year-old brothers, 13-year-old sister, and 18-year-old sister, Dawn. Imagine, he he had to muster up that kind of method acting. To, like, run into that place and act like, ah, it just happened. How hard it is to fake cry. Yes. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, it's been reported that Dawn appeared to have been awake when the attacks happened. That's horrific. So it's like she knew what was coming. Oh, yeah. In the decades after the murder, Butch has had various excuses and stories about that night, including being possessed by Satan, because I feel like everybody just has to throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, you got to try it, I guess. The worst thing that he did was say that Dawn was the shooter and that he and Dawn's friends committed the murders together. That's horrific. He really had like some kind of vengeance against her. You killed your sister and then you blame her for killing the entire family. Like what is wrong? Now, Ronald DeFeo Jr. or Butch was sentenced to 25 years to life. That's right. Nine. Number nine on our countdown is Belgium honor killing victim Sadia Sheikh. In 2011, Sadia's brother, Mudazar, was the suspect in Belgium's first honor killing trial after shooting his sister to death for dishonoring the family and then admitting to trying to kill his other sister. Whoa. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, that was. Sadia defied the family by refusing an arranged marriage with a cousin living in Pakistan who she had never met. She then moved in with another man. So on October 22, 2007, Sadia agreed to visit the family in hopes of just making peace when her brother Mudazar shot her three times. Wow. During the trial, Mudazar surprised everyone, even his own lawyer, which I'm sure the lawyer appreciated. He was like, gee, thanks. By suddenly confessing to the attempted murder of his second sister, who was also on trial. What? He said to that sister, quote, I left you for dead. What? I don't even understand. He just bursts out in the middle of the trial. He just had a moment where he was like, I need to say what Conscience. happened. Yeah. And it's like, you know his lawyer was like, really? Like you chose now to grow one? Really, bro? Sadia's parents and sister faced charges of attempting to arrange a marriage, but they denied involvement in the murder. They're, they're like, we definitely did that, but we did not do this. Yeah, those are two very different things. They claimed her brother killed her in a fit of rage. 
A jury sentenced the father to 25 years, the mother to 20 years, the brother Mudazar to 15, and the other sister to five years. Great job, fam. Wow. Like, way to get it. I'm surprised he got so much less than his parents. Like, he's the one that did it. Shocking. Yeah, that's wild. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of top 10 deadly sibling dysfunctions is Cleopatra and her siblings. We're throwing it back to our Royal Killers episode when we featured Cleopatra as a ruthless killer. But her story also featured some sibling dysfunction on another level. Sure did. Grab a pen and a paper to map this whole thing out. Oh yeah, you need that red string. (laughs) You do. When Ptolemy XII died, he made his daughter Cleopatra and her brother Ptolemy the joint rulers of Egypt. The siblings then married, but it was a common practice among royals. But Ptolemy soon ousted his sister-wife Cleopatra, who fled. She was not happy. Yeah, no. Cleopatra's sister Arsinoe stayed in the good graces of her brother and sort of proclaimed herself as the new queen of Egypt. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's like fake AF. If if there's a little spot, you gotta just step into that light. You can't turn on your sister like that. Well, she's gone. Wow, good to know what you would do. (laughs) I'm I'm totally kidding. So an angry Cleopatra, like I would do, teams up with Julius Caesar and the Romans to fight back and reclaim her throne. Cleopatra's sibling husband, who ran her out of Egypt, is then killed in the Civil War. Her sister, Arsinoe, like, sort of fights back, even embarrassed Julius Caesar a bit. Imagine being Cleopatra's boyfriend, though. I can't even. No. I'm so, I got so confused for a second. I was like, who's what, huh? I told you to get a pen and a paper. I needed one. But Cleopatra, back in power, kills her sister on the steps of a temple, a violation of the temple sanctuary, by the way, which was a scandalous act in Rome. I love how they're like, don't do it on the temple steps. (laughs) Which, by the way, is not allowed. That's that's not okay. That's rude. Cleopatra also married her younger, only living at this point brother, but eventually had him killed to secure her son's chance on the throne the son fathered by Julius Caesar. Cleopatra did what she needed to do. Yeah, is there a red <laughs> string all over the place? It's a lot of dead siblings. That's all the dead siblings. Wow. Seven. At number seven this week is Connor Betts and the 2019 Dayton, Ohio shooting. August 2019, 24-year-old Connor Betts opened fire in a popular bar and nightclub area in Dayton, Ohio. He killed nine people and injured at least 17. One of the first victims was his 22-year-old younger sister, Megan, which raises a bunch of questions about his actual intent. It's difficult to talk about these shootings because the casualties are so high, but there's always the question of motive, too, Mm -hmm. because it's always crazy. This one doubles down on that question, because now it's a mass shooting also involving a family member who was killed first. I I feel like that doesn't happen a lot. No, this is weird. Surveillance video shows Betts with his sister and their friend in the area before the shooting. Even more gross that he was like hanging out with her before. Yeah, that's scary. It makes it weirder and it makes it seem more like this was intended. Mm -hmm. Betts then goes back to his car, changes into a black hoodie and body armor and retrieves his gun. Text messages show he also knew where his sister and her friend were going to be just before he started shooting. Oh, man. So he was, like, linking up, trying to figure out where she was. I mean, hello. Here it is. Right. 
The shooting lasted just 32 seconds. Connor Betts was also killed by police that night. So we're not going to... That's the thing, so you never get answers. The Associated Press reported investigators have radically different views on whether Connor Betts targeted his 22-year-old sister, Megan, two hours after they arrived with a friend at the popular strip of nightclubs. So now it's just out there. Yeah, it's just like, what happened? It all seems to link up. I mean, I feel like it seems to be pointing in one direction, but we'll, we're not going to know. I mean, the fact that he had, like, clothes to change into and everything. Yeah, and that he, like, t- kind of, like, triangulated her right. location. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Ugh. Six. Landing at number six is... Catherine Sue, who manipulated her brother into becoming a killer. In Chicago in October of 1987, Catherine Sue's mother was mysteriously murdered. Catherine, who was 18, was given guardianship of her 13-year-old brother, Andrew. The siblings inherited $800,000 from their mother's life insurance, a lot of money, but not enough to keep funding Catherine's extravagant lifestyle. So now what? So now what? Well, after her mother died, Catherine's boyfriend, Robert, moved in with them, and Catherine became extremely influential on her younger brother. He was smart, he was a focused student, and she made sure he knew family obedience was everything. She was like kind of like a mafia boss. You never turn on the family. Never. Well, Catherine also loved very expensive things. She drove a Jaguar, and she shopped in high-end stores. It's like, you're going to need more and more money, girl. Oh yeah, that's not going to last you. On September 25, 1993, the 31-year-old boyfriend, Robert, is shot to death in his garage. Oh. Soon after, Andrew confessed. So Catherine convinced him that Robert was beating her and stealing money, and Andrew needed to stand up for his family. <gasps> that is so manipulative and awful if it's not true. Which I, it doesn't sound like doesn't it was. Doesn't sound like it's true. So Catherine flees to Hawaii, where she quickly found rich boyfriends with the money to fund her expensive tastes. You know, you gotta keep up your appearance, girl. Yeah, you're used to it. But eventually, I guess the guilt got to her, and she turned herself in. Good. She obviously did it for the cash, but both of them ended up in prison. Wow, that's so messed up. I know. Worst big sister ever. That's almost reminiscent of the Cinnamon Brown case. A little bit, yeah. Like family, convincing family. Oh, man. Oh, that last one gave me like a yucky feeling. Yeah, you don't do that to your to anybody. Because it's like she was like the mother figure, mm-hmm. you know, and then she's telling him like this man is like hurting me and stealing money and like he's just trying to protect his older sister. Yeah, That's like really he loves you. Up. That's messed yeah, up. I don't love that at all. It's only going to get worse. Oh, this is a lot. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast Network. The Vatican is one of the most recognizable religious sites in the world, but it's also a powerful institution, its unique history full of secrecy. This Easter, my show Conspiracy Theories looks deep into the church's past to uncover how it became what it is today. Starting April 5th, our new four-part miniseries, Mysteries of the Vatican, dives in to examine some of the most prominent conspiracy theories surrounding this mysterious organization. From the church's sordid rise to power, to prophetic visions, and even assassination attempts. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories, to hear Mysteries of the Vatican. New episodes air every Monday and Wednesday, 
free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of deadly sibling dysfunction. Starting off the second half of our list is brothers Robert and Michael Bever in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. These two brothers decided they wanted fame and notoriety, and the way they'd get that is by becoming serial killers. To kick off their murder careers, they decided to start with their own family. But even as they're attacked, the siblings make sure to fight back. This one's really sad. Yeah. July 22nd, 2015, the Bever brothers decide this is the day they become killers. They know their first victim will be their sister, 13-year-old Crystal. My God, 13. It's horrific. And your sister? Your 13-year-old sister, what are you doing? Well, Michael lured Crystal into a bedroom. Robert slashes her throat and Crystal fought back, even as Robert continued to stab her. Slashed throat, being stabbed, and she's fighting back. The mother tried to intervene, of course, which, horrific, but also she gets stabbed. Meanwhile, Crystal manages to get away and wants to protect her younger siblings. That's her first thought. My god, wow. Robert and Michael then murder two other siblings and their father. What? Their younger brother Daniel locked himself in a room and called 911. But Daniel is really young. No. And Michael managed to convince him to open the door by pretending he was also being attacked. These kids are evil. Daniel is then attacked and killed by his older brothers, which that, like, my heart just dropped. Oh, my God. They just preyed on his innocence. Crystal is still holding on, by the way. Oh, my God. She's still there. She's still there. And then the brothers decide to attack her again. But the cops begin banging on the door. Daniel's 911 call was a success. So he saved his, like, he he saved saved who he could. Right. The brothers then ran out the back door into a wooded area, but police canines tracked them down. Good. Two-year-old sister Autumn survived. There was a two-year-old in the house while this is happening? A two-year-old. She slept through her brother's murder spree. Thank goodness. Oh, my God. And Crystal also ended up surviving the attack. (gasps) Yes. And she testified against her brothers. Okay, Crystal. so this is number what? This is number five? Yes. Okay, where are we headed? Because, Crystal. wow. Wow, Crystal. Four. Landing at number four this week is Empress Lucilla. After marrying young, Lucilla became an empress and was initially a very powerful and influential woman who co-ruled Rome with her husband until he died. Then she found herself in a deadly cat and mouse game with her own brother for who would rule the Roman Empire. Jeez, I love these ones. It's like almost (laughs) Cleopatra-esque. So this story is so old, it takes place in the 170s and 180s. Oh, back then. That's even just like hard to say. It is. But the sibling tea is still piping hot. (laughs) We love that. 
Once Lucilla's husband died, she was stripped of all power, which is bogus. That's BS. She lost her empress title and like everything else. Then her younger brother Commodus took control. Lucilla begrudgingly remarried, but her new husband doesn't carry nearly the clout her dead husband had or the clout she thinks she deserves. So needless to say, being a private citizen in Rome would not cut it for Lucilla. I don't blame her. Me either. At the same time, her brother is sort of spiraling. Naturally not a wicked person, but had become a cruel leader whose behavior was disturbing. So Lucilla plots a coup to kill him, replacing him with other family members. But her nephew screws up the assassination attempt. When he bursts in the room to stab the brother, he first pronounces, here is what the Senate sends to you. The guards then overtake him and all the male members of the plot to kill Commodus were immediately put to death. Lucilla was then exiled to Capri, but Commodus later ordered her execution. I mean, can I blame him? Not uh, really. She tried to have him killed. Yeah, but like he shouldn't have got all but mean like, with it. Well, and just let him, let her be exiled. Yeah, I you guess. Know, goodbye. Three. Number three on our countdown of deadly sibling dysfunction is real-life Cain and Abel, Joe and Tony Salino. Joe and Tony Salino were hardworking farmhands as well as close siblings before they became deadly rivals over the same love interest. That'll do it. Always. It culminated in the death of Joe on September 2nd, 2016 in Damascus, Pennsylvania. I'm not going to lie, I thought this was way older when I first read this. I think it was the Cain and Abel that it made gave, like, you a off. very old vibe. And then I was like, oh, 2016. Okay. The same thing happened to me when you just said yeah. it. Tony and Brooke met when they were young. They have a little boy and they start living a happy life, you know, in love. I hate when it starts off like this because I know it. where it's going. It's crashing down. Well, at some point, of course, things go south. Yep. Tony is jealous. He's verbally abusive mm -mm. and extremely controlling of Brooke. So Brooke takes their son and she leaves him. Good, Good bye. for Brooke. Well, in swoops Tony's brother, Joe. Joe tells Brooke he'll help her get a new place to stay and get her life in order. Okay, this is not, not a good look here. No, this, this, this screams weirdness. Just move on, man. It like, smells just, bad. Yeah. Tony soon sees pictures of them together and the death threats begin. Uh-oh. September 2nd, 2016, Tony conveniently passes Joe and Brooke on the road. He follows them to a dead end. Joe tries to hide to keep things calm. But Tony is in a rage. And he's not only in a rage, he's armed with a 22 caliber pistol. Oh no. He's knocking on Brooke's window to roll it down, and she's refusing. Oh no. Joe comes out of hiding. Brooke takes off and calls 911. And Tony ends up shooting his own brother in the chest. Are you serious? This is so messed up. Tony was tipped off to Joe and Brooke's location by his own mother Stop. the night of the murder. No. Ma! What? What? Like, what did she think was gonna happen? Those are your, two, those are your sons, what oh are you doing? God. That's like that movie, Let Him Go. I'm horrified. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, okay with this list. Joe and Tony? Wow. Yeah, they just took the cake and that, their mom did too. And that was, and we had Lucilla right before them. It's like, what is happening? I felt so bad for Lucilla. Lucilla had a time. Yeah, she right? really did. She just got the crap end of the stick. She truly did. 
I'm excited to see what's coming up next. I know, you have number one, and I I need to know who takes the cake. There's been a couple that I know off of this list, but there's been a couple I haven't, so I'm like, show me. Show me. Show me what I don't know. All right, I will. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of deadly sibling dysfunction. At number two is sister killer Barbara Burns. On August 15, 2004, Barbara Burns shot her mentally disabled sister Debbie and then went on the run for eight months, all because Debbie spent their inheritance money on Star Wars memorabilia. This is horrifying. Yeah. And my heart just stopped. The fact I got this one is really ruining me. Yeah. So Barbara had taken care of Debbie her whole life and she was resentful of the fact that her other siblings got to have the life they wanted and she didn't. When one of their brothers passed away, he left $350,000 for Debbie's care. That was really nice. But it didn't go to her care. It went to things like travel, a pinball machine, computers, and Star Wars memorabilia. Then on August 15, 2004, the two sisters go out to eat, have some drinks, they argue about money as they always did, and then back at home, Barbara claims that she's blacked out and doesn't remember anything else next. Convenient. Yeah, it always works out that way. What she really did was shoot her sister in the head and wrap her sister's body in a shower curtain and a blanket. Then she turned down the AC to mask the odor of decomposition, (gasps) hung dozens of air fresheners, and poured potpourri on the blanket covering Debbie's body. That is seven. That is that is terrifying. Seven. That is seven. So on October 1st, Barbara just leaves the house and doesn't come back. <gasps> Eight months later, when they came to repossess the home, the body is found. What? Like, I did not see any of this coming. I have never heard of this case. I haven't either. Wowie. Wow. Now, Barbara only served 12 years in prison before being released on February 8th, 2018. I'm horrified. Like, What? I also need to know if this was like she saw seven and thought it would work. That's just insane to me. Horrified. How do you pour potpourri on your sister's dead body? No. I mean, how do you kill your sister, number one? But. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 deadly sibling dysfunctions, Kevin Madden and Vampire Boy, which already, yeah, hello, setting a scene, number one already. In November 2003, Jonathan Madden's body was discovered stuffed in a crawl space in his family's Toronto home. Oh. Jonathan was the victim of his own brother, Kevin Madden's rage and his friend's vampire fetish. He had been stabbed 71 times by Kevin before being left for dead. What? Yeah. And his friend has a vampire fetish. It's number one for a reason. Okay, let's unpack this. Kevin Madden had two accomplices here, including Timothy Ferriman, nicknamed Vampire Boy, due to a vampire fetish, and a self-described fondness for drinking blood. Just play with Pokemon cards like everyone else. Yeah, seriously. Chill. And it's like, you know what? You want to be a vampire? That's fine. Just... Go with the aesthetic. Yeah, you gotta, like, yeah. You don't have to go this far. I'm already, I lost words. I'm upset. Kevin told his friends his plans to kill. 
and Vampire Boy called his girlfriend and filled her in on what was going on. I don't know, maybe call the cops next time. Yeah, hopefully there is no next time. Wrong person to call. Maybe just She should have said, wrong number, bye. Do over. It's 911. Well, she was concerned, so she called back and recorded their convo. Oh, wow. But when she called police, it was too late. Oh, no. During trial, Kevin allegedly stated, quote, people who did not know Jonathan should not be concerned about what happened to him. What? I'm sorry, what? Put him away. Forever. Bye. Throw away the key. Well, being 19, Kevin was sentenced as an adult. Good. So life in prison without parole for at least 10 years. The judge noted the credible evidence that, quote, he suffers from a deeply entrenched psychological disorder and psychopathy. Uh, you don't say. Yeah, like, that goes without saying, sister. Now, Timothy, the vampire accomplice, received two years at a youth detention center and three years probation. That's a bunch of BS. To Vampire Boy's girlfriend, well done on this see something, say something thing. Yeah. Like, way to go. She yeah. tried. She, like... I mean, the fact that she recorded the conversation, she really, she put in an effort. That was smart. I feel so bad for his brother. Horrible. And to say that, like, if you don't know him, don't care. If you don't know him, then you shouldn't be concerned with what happened to him. I'm sorry. This is a very concerning situation. Since when is that a rule anywhere? Ever. (laughs) Like, what? That was certainly number one. That was definitely. It involved a like actual vampire. So yeah, yeah. that definitely is number one. Mm-hmm. But this list was horrific. Yep. Uh, very to say horrific. The least. Yeah, I would definitely say it's a terrible one. I can't think off the top of my head any that they left off that belong in the top ten more than these do. Yeah, I feel like these definitely. Say. Of course, it. there's other ones, but I feel like these are definitely. I mean, you got Amityville on there, Robert DeFeo, you had to have on. Yeah, he was definitely, he had to kick it off. Yeah. And, you know, Connor Betts, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. We got, like, the Bever uh, brothers there. Yep. That one I was waiting for, so I was glad, I was definitely thinking that was going to be high on the had list. Had you ever heard of number one before this? No, I hadn't. No, me either. Which is shocking. Wow. Good job, research gods. Ooh. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify, where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which you made it this far, so hopefully you do, you can follow our other podcast, Morbid, a true crime podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast and on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. And we'll see you again on Monday, but maybe in the meantime, go hug your sister and brother. Please do. Bye. Bye. Crime Countdown is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Produced by John Cohen and associate produced by Jonathan Ratliff. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by Ambika Chotera, Jay Cahio, and Mickey Taylor. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Thank you.